Amen. What a great time to worship the Lord. If you guys can grab your Bibles now and open them up to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20 for our study tonight. Uh, we're going to continue here as we go through this book. You know, um, we are in the end section of this book. And we're coming to Jesus' death and his resurrection and all. And it's just been a great journey as we've been studying through this book. So if you can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 20. And if you're there already, uh, let's go ahead and open with the word of prayer. Lord God, thank you once again. We pray once more, God, that you would meet us here in your word. And we just thank you for this time of worship and how much we do love you, God. And just as Jack had prayed, God, we we ask for your blessings. We ask for your touch, Lord. And we ask right now that you bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, sometimes you kind of wonder what was going through their minds when these people were being interviewed for a job. So I wanted to share some true answers, actually, to these questions um, that were given to these people uh, or who said that was given to the interviewer. For example, an HR person reported how the applicant shared with them I'm more a people person and not a numbers person. Now, that doesn't sound bad, but the funny thing was she was interviewing for an accounting position. <laughs> uh, there was a question uh, put out to the interviewer on this job application. Have you submitted your two-week notice to your current employer? Well, the answer was, what is a two-week notice? I never quit a job before. I always got fired. Another question was asked this, what is your weaknesses? The answer was, I get angry easily and I went to jail for domestic violence, but I won't get mad at you. Well, at least that person was honest. (laughs) Crazy. Uh, During an interview, a job applicant randomly said this, "Uh, may I have a cup of coffee? I think I may still be a little drunk from last night. Uh, Not a good thing to say on your interview, yeah. Uh, Another question was asked of a job applicant. Tell of a time you made a mistake and how you dealt with it. The answer was, I stole some equipment from my old job and I had to pay for its replacement. (laughs) I don't know about that person, yeah. During the interview, this um, HR person reported that the job applicant, and I quote, blew her nose and lined up the used tissues on the table in front of them. (laughs) Last one. The interviewer was asked this, why did you leave your last job? Well, the answer from the job seeker was, I beat up my boss. I have a problem with authority. That's a scary one right there. Well, as we return to our study in the Gospel of Luke, the religious leaders actually approach Jesus and challenge him with a question about his authority. But Jesus actually turns the question around and asks them, and it really, their answer really reveals 
their problem they have with authority. And that's really the authority of God. So the title of our message tonight is this, A Problem with Authority. A Problem with Authority. Now, tonight we're going to be studying Luke chapter 20 from verse 1 through 8 tonight. We're going to be covering this, just this first section here. And our outline is this. The officials question Jesus. And then number two, Jesus questions the officials. And then number three, the officials answer Jesus. So pretty simple and straightforward in what is going on here. But let's discover what is really going on here. Let's begin. A problem with authority, our title once again. And let's begin with number one in our outline, the officials question Jesus. The officials question Jesus. Now here, we're going to be covering verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2 in this section. And so let's take a look at both those verses. So Luke 20, verse 1 and 2. It reads here, One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, verse 2, Tell us by what authority you do these things or who it is that gave you this authority. So we'll stop right there. Now, we begin here with Luke writing here, how in verse 1, one day, which most likely this is Tuesday of the last week of Jesus' life. Remember Sunday, we looked at in chapter 19, uh, the triumphal entry, right? The official entrance of the Messiah into Jerusalem. So that was Sunday. And then on Monday, we saw last time, was the cleansing of the temple when he uh, basically, like he did in John, overturned tables, drove the merchants out of the place and the money changers because they were, they were making merchandise of the people and taking advantage of them. So that was Monday. So most likely this is Tuesday when we come into verse 1 of chapter 20 where it says one day. And if you remember those things that were going on in the temple, it was breaking God's heart. And that was the title of our last message. The merchants there making uh, merchandise of God's people, commercializing the whole act of worship there. And then we saw also, right, that the people were hungry for the Word of God. We saw that at the end of Luke chapter 19. And we saw that Jesus, in His compassion for the people, and in compassion that, you know what, that they were not getting the Word of God. Well, He was, in verse 47 of Luke 19, was teaching daily in the temple. And so He was teaching in the temple all the way up to Friday when He was crucified. So that's what we see here. In verse 1 of Luke chapter 20, as we go on now, Luke writes, one day, which most likely is Tuesday, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel. Now, Jesus is in the temple at this point, and he's teaching. And most likely, this is in that that Solomon's uh, porch, it's called, or or or, or um, Solomon's uh, area. It's it's this um, like a lanai. There's they say there's like um, 35 feet columns, you know, in this area. Um, it's like a porch there, this lanai. And many times the rabbis would go and teach, and their their students would come and listen to them. And so is Jesus. So Jesus is there uh, in this outer rim of the temple area, not inside the temple, but on the outer court area. 
area on the very edges. He's sitting there and he's teaching. He's teaching the people who have come and gathered there. And you can imagine at this point, there's a whole crowd of people there. And here, verse 1, Jesus is teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel. So you know what's great about that? It just I just stopped and thought about all the way up to the end, Jesus continuing, continued to in giving God's word and giving God's love, teaching the word and preaching the gospel, sharing God's love of salvation. And so here's Jesus teaching, and as he's teaching, a group of Jewish religious officials come in. Now, they come into the scene. And we read here, as he's teaching, as he's preaching, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up. Now, the chief priests, if you remember, they are the Sadducees. They're the guys in charge right now. Their group is tasked to be the high priest of the temple, to lead up everything going on in, in, uh, in, as far as the uh, festivals, the temple, the sacrifice, everything. These are the Sadducees. And you remember the Sadducees were the ones involved in that syndicate of these merchants there. They're making money. They're getting rich there. They made this whole merchandise of the people. That was these guys we talked about. And then the scribes are there. Now, the scribes are the lawyers. They're the experts in the law. Most of them are Pharisees. So you can say these are the Pharisees, the legalistic uh, uh, Pharisees who are strict with the law more than the Sadducees. Well, some of those... Those guys are there, the scribes. And then we have the elders. There's other elders or leaders uh, over the Jewish people. And so all of these guys came as representatives of what is called the Sanhedrin. It's a 71-member council that ruled over the religious affairs of Israel. They were under Rome. Rome allowed them to have the 71-member council and leadership. And, and so most likely these guys came, and they came from the Sanhedrin representing them. And so these guys who came were very, very powerful men in Jewish society. Can you imagine this? I, I could I could imagine Jesus teaching in this portico, in this porch area. There's a crowd of people gathered around him. He's, he's just passionately teaching the word, sharing God's love. And then here comes these guys, rudely pushing through the crowd, this crowded area. I can almost hear that, that Darth Vader theme, you know. Dun, 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 dun. Here they come, marching through, pushing through the, this crowd crowd. The temple police are there uh, ahead of them, pushing the crowd away. Make way, make way. And following the temple police are these guys dressed in fancy robes, and they come up and approach Jesus. This is the religious leaders, the religious elite here. These are the top guys here from the Sanhedrin come to talk to Jesus. And they're all dressed up in their their, their priestly and, and pharisaical robes and everything and what a contrast they are to this poor rabbi Jesus in his plain robe so picture that so they come up to Jesus now and they officially ask and I would say with sour faces they they come up to to, to Jesus and they ask him in verse 2 tell us by what authority do you do these things 
What authority is that? Or Luke writes, who is it that gave you this authority? In, in other words, uh, who, who is it that you're doing this for? What, how can you have this authority? How can you come in in this way? Now, they were inferring to things that Jesus did that to them was not sanctioned by them. Remember, these guys are the Sanhedrins. These guys are the ones in control of everything. And so they came to Jesus to confront him, to, to, to find out, well, what is this? What, what's going on? And so m most likely the Sanhedrin, too, had met together and said, look, this Jesus is doing these things, and, you know, you, we got to go confront him. And so these guys came, and they were coming in the authority of the Sanhedrin. They are coming in and confronting Jesus on what he did. Now, why are they so upset? Why, were, why are they so mad? And why are they fuming at this point and coming in this way? Why? Well, because Jesus went against their authority and they also, Jesus also threatened their authority. And so that's why the officials come and question Jesus. Let me explain. We understand just the day before, what did Jesus do? He drove out the merchants, the money changers, and he upset the commerce that was going on right there on the temple property, right? And so Jesus, in a way, public exposed what this racket was. They were, what, a bunch of thieves, right? This is a den of robbers, he quoted there from the Old Testament. And, and, and everyone knew this shoddy business. And now here's Jesus is vocalizing this. And who's shamed here? The chief priests, the Sadducees. So they don't like him. They don't like that Jesus exposed. They don't like that Jesus disrupted their business. So basically they're saying, who gave you the right and authority to drive out our merchants here? And then, do you remember the day before that, that Jesus came into Jerusalem with the crowds, right? They, the crowds are praising him. They're laying down their clothes. The palm branches were waving and on the road. They gave Jesus this royal welcome. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king. This is the Messiah. And the Pharisees didn't like that. The Pharisees didn't think Jesus was the Messiah. The Pharisees were jealous of Jesus. The crowds were following him. They, the Pharisees hated Jesus. The scribes didn't like how Jesus didn't line up in the way they lined up to the scripture. And so they were shamed, and basically they're asking, who gives you the authority to come in Jerusalem like that? Who gives you the authority to teach here? It's like, where's your credentials? Yeah, who did you train under? Who is your rabbi? You know, show us your ordination here. So the religious leaders came angry, came to really make him pay. They came to discredit Jesus here. See, they asked Jesus, well, well, who's your authority? Yeah, who is it? Now, it was really a question to trap him. If Jesus said, well, I don't have any authority, I, 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 I come in, you know, here and, and teaching. Well, they could condemn him for doing things not sanctioned by the official Sanhedrin here. They, they have the authority. 
right? And they're the ones in charge, and you didn't come to us. So, you know, they could condemn him, and they could make him look bad in front of all the people. But if Jesus said, I'm here by the, I teach here by the authority of God, I cleanse the temple by the authority of God, well, they could condemn him for the crime of blasphemy, condemn him to death, Hand him over to the Romans because the Romans won't tolerate any sort of king, right? Another king over the Jews. And so they were ready to trap Jesus with this question. It was really a plan to incriminate Jesus either way to condemn him and get rid of him. So the officials question Jesus here. The religious leaders approach Jesus with a question to shame him and incriminate him. That's what's going on here. With the officials questioning Jesus, the point is here, the religious leaders approach Jesus with a question to shame him and incriminate him. That, that's what we're seeing here. They just, they just want to get to Jesus here. You know, I was thinking about, I wonder if Jesus felt this way. I remember many, many, many years ago in my younger days, <laughs> I attended a, a conference in Arizona and it was about it was it was for this evangelism program we were we were using in the church and um, it was it was a conference about how to run that and everything and uh, and, and all of that. Well in the evening being a, a pastor, I was a social pastor at the time, I was invited to dinner with other pastors there in Arizona. And as we were eating, the pastor of a church who was hosting this conference, and he was like the head guy and the big guy there, he asked everyone where they went to seminary. Well, I never went to seminary. So I was actually kind of intimidated by that question. And it was, it was maybe 10 or 12 pastors in this big round table. i never forget it. And so the other pastors were going around telling where they went, what schools they went, kind of like flashing their credentials. And, 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 and it's like, oh, hey, Pastor Rick, how about you? And I just simply said, well, I didn't. Now, I don't remember the exact reaction, but I do remember thinking that, you know what, I don't care because I know uh, that the Holy Spirit had called me to what I'm doing now. The Holy Spirit trained me under the weekly teaching of, of, of Pastor Chuck and a, another pastor, and, and you know, even in my own study, and it was just the, the calling. And, well, if they didn't like that, I just had to think, oh, well, but that's my journey and how I became a pastor. That was how God called me into teaching the Bible. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that seminary is, is wrong or Bible college is, is wrong. That's not what I, I'm saying. We all have our journey, you know, as God calls us and brings us into ministry. But I do understand what was put upon Jesus here. It's like, what authority, Jesus do you come with? Where's your credentials? You know, what what are you doing here? Who are you speaking for? Is just are you there on your own? How can you be here? What gives you the authority? And so I could kind of feel how they were trying to intimidate and shame Jesus. You know, understand that Jesus 
went through this. And maybe you're going through that. Is, is the world like putting uh, uh, some pressure on you, intimidating you? Is the world like putting upon you that you, there's some expectations that you should have, you know, to be in that authority position? Do you really have the qualifications here? And are you feeling that kind of intimidation and pressure and sort of feeling shame? Because maybe you don't line up exactly to what the world or some other people are putting upon you. Maybe others wave their credentials trying to shame you or make you feel unqualified. Listen, if God called you to the place where you're at, then God called you. God put you there. And God placed you in that position. And if God placed you in that position, you know what? That qualifies you. That's the qualification. God's call upon your life. And you know what? There's no higher qualification than Him when Jesus puts that call on you. That's what we trust in. Our journey, or how God has called us, that's what's important here. I like something the Puritan William Perkins said. He who would be a faithful minister of the gospel must deny pride of his heart, the empty of be emptied of ambition, and set himself wholly to seek the glory of God in his calling. And I love that. You know, that's what it's about, that we seek to glorify God, that no matter where God has placed you, whether it's in ministry, your job, or whatever position you hold, what we want to do is deny the pride, empty our ambition, and seek to glorify God in everything that we do. And that's fulfilling our calling, no matter what and where God has placed you. So here's these guys. They come in. They have a problem with authority in the sense of uh, asking Jesus. These officials question Jesus. Well, number two, we go on to Jesus questions the officials. Jesus questions the officials. Now, we're going to be covering verse 3 and 4. Let's take a look at those two verses now. He says in Luke chapter 20, verse 3, he answered them, I also will ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? We'll stop there. Now Jesus gives these official representatives uh, an answer. But he answers with a question. And Jesus says this a lot. And I like this because he knows they're just trying to trap him. So basically Jesus is saying, okay, I'll answer you. But let me ask you guys a question first. Let me, let me ask you this. He asked them, okay, tell me, was the baptism of John, that's John the Baptist, right, who went ahead of Jesus, who prepared, he was called to prepare the hearts of the people for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, right? And he was baptizing people for people to repent before God, and then he would point to Jesus. So that baptism of John, he asked these official representatives, hey, was it of heaven? Was it from God? Or was it from man? Was it something John just appeared with and he talked about? In other words, what's, what's the authority there? Did he come with the authority of God? Did God send him to baptize people and call people to repentance? Or did John just baptize with the authority from himself, from man? 
Did John baptize people on his own accord? Or was it really from God? So that's a question that Jesus posed to these official reps here. Jesus actually turns the table on them, on the religious leaders. And he's actually with this question is probing their heart as Jesus questions the officials here. Answering the uh, officials here with a question was really all designed, now listen, to arrive at the truth. The truth about Jesus and to expose what's really going on in these guys' hearts. That's why he asked this question. That's why he goes, well, let me ask you this question first. It was to come to this place of the truth. See, they come to, listen here, they came to Jesus on the basis of this importance of submitting to authority, God's authority. And, and they come in like, well, we have the official authority. Now, who, you know, how do you do this? How, how can you teach here? Yeah. How can you overturn the tables? Whose authority? Is it really God? Is it your own, right? So they come on this basis of, of the, how important it is to submit to God's authority. Now they think they have the authority because they're the religious leaders and God gave them that authority. So Jesus takes this question to challenge your thinking here. To not focus so much upon their authority, right? But how about God's authority? So, so keep that in mind here. So Jesus poses this question like, well, if someone, say like John comes preaching with what seems like the authority of God, and if the Sanhedrin, if these official representatives is really all about submitting to the authority of God and you want everyone to submit to that authority, then the Sanhedrin should have really taken a hard look at John and what he was saying. Because he came forward saying, hey, repent to God. Like he comes in authority of God. Now, in John chapter 1, we know a delegation did come to the Jordan to interview John. The Pharisees came, and the elders came, and, 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 and they interviewed John. And they asked him, basically, who is he, and how does he have the authority to baptize? Kind of in a similar way that they're confronting Jesus. And you know what? John basically pointed to Jesus said, hey, the he's, he's the Messiah. He's the one who's going to come and that he's come to prepare the hearts of the people, the Messiah, Jesus. So Jesus is bringing that back. It's like, so what's your conclusion then? John comes claiming the authority. He speaks on the authority of God. So you guys who say you speak on authority, you got to have some opinion here. What did you, they think of John and his baptism? Was it really from God? Now, if they were really concerned about submitting to God's authority, then they would have an answer, right? They would have either yes or no, whatever that is. They would actually have an answer. And that answer would answer whose authority Jesus came in, actually. For John spoke of Jesus, right? And Jesus and John are from the same source. So, listen, if you're following me. So, Jesus questions the officials for 
The real question is, are they really concerned about finding and submitting to the authority of God? That's the real question. That's what Jesus is, is, is drawing out. That's what Jesus... He's trying to get to the truth of the matter. You know what the real matter is? No matter who they are, no matter who John is, no matter who Jesus is, are we willing to submit to the authority of God? That's, that's the real issue here. And the real question, question is, are they really concerned about finding and submitting to the authority of God? Are they really concern about the truth and that's where Jesus is bringing them you know for centuries uh, you guys have heard of Aristotle he was regarded the greatest greatest thinker of all time and one of the things that he said and many believe was that he said that that the heavier an object is the faster it will fall to the earth well, people believe that for 2,000 years. But in 1589, 2,000 years later, Galileo uh, proved to a group of professors that this was not true. He dropped a 10-pound weight and a 1-pound weight off the top of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. He dropped them both. At the same time, both weights traveled at the same speed and hit the ground at the same time. And all these professors, all these teachers, they saw it, but they did not consent to what they saw. They continued to say and preach, no, Aristotle was right. You see, they weren't concerned with the truth. They were more concerned that they were right, of being right. And that's the religious leaders. They were more about being the right, in the right. We're the ones. We're right in what we say. We're right in what we say, what is wrong and, and not, what is accepted and what is not. They weren't concerned for the truth. They just wanted to be right. And so Jesus wanted to expose those inconsistencies. The real question is, are they really concerned about finding what it, who is really with God and submitting to that authority of God. But they were inconsistent in this. You know, the question for you and I tonight is this. Are we really interested or concerned about submitting to God? Are we? Or are we more like wanting to use God's authority, I should say, for our purposes? You know, when God confronts our hypocrisy, when, when the teaching of God brings up sin, when, when God doesn't say, quote, play along yeah, with us in what we want, what's our reaction? Do, do we you know, flip it back on God and get angry? What gives you the right to do this, God? What, why, why, why do you do this? Why are you allowing this? Oh, we like the church until the, the pastor points out something in the word we don't like, right? Or, or we're like, oh, this, this church is great, this pastor is great, because he says this, he says this, until he says something that we don't like, then we say, oh, we're going to go to another authority. Do we think about what is being said from the word of God? Is it God's word? Is it God's authority? 
Many times we use that authority of God, maybe like the Word of God or Scripture, to support what we want until we come to something that doesn't support us. Say, oh, forget that. We, we push that aside. Sometimes what we use and abuse that authority or the authoritative statement for our own gain. And then when it doesn't work for us no more, oh, no, no, they're not authority. That's what I'm talking about. Let's not use authority in that way. Let's be true and genuine in that. No, we want to surrender and submit to God's authority no matter what. Who has all the authority? Jesus does, right? Jesus does. Let me read to you a few scriptures. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Jesus is the king. He has the authority. Yeah? When he comes and says something, then we submit to that. When he asks us to do something, we submit to him. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Dominions, rulers, God created it all. God said it all. But he is, like we learn in, on Sunday, right, in Revelation 19, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. But do we truly, in our hearts, submit to that authority, Jesus Christ? We may come church, yes, praise the Lord, worship God, raise our hands. But how about when we're at home? Yeah. How about when we're at work or school or when we're alone? Do we still submit to his authority? Yes, Jesus, I'll do that. Yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. But when you're alone, it's like, oh, well, no one's around. Or when you're at home, yeah, you really put your hair down. You become this weird, evil, wicked, bad person. Yeah? What, what is going on there? Or are we really submitting to his authority? Maybe we do have a problem with authority, and that problem is with God. All right, well, let's go to number three, the officials answer Jesus. And this is the rest of our passage, verses 5 through 8. We've seen the officials question Jesus. Jesus then questions officials, and then the interesting thing is how the officials answer Jesus. Look at verse 5 and 6, first of all. It says, And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. So we'll stop there. So these official representatives, they have a quick little meeting. I could picture them all turning around, huddled together on, Well, how are we going to answer this? What are we going to say here, right? This was a question that wasn't easy to answer. And it's it's because of this. So they reasoned together saying, well, if we say the authority comes from heaven, meaning that comes from God, then he'll say, why did you not believe John the Baptist? 
what did John the Baptist say? Repent of your sins, right? In uh, Matthew, he said, uh, when the Pharisees came, he said, you vipers, you know, who, who, who called you to come? You got to show fruits of repentance. Did they change? No. And so Jesus, the reason he's saying, oh, if we say John is from God and he spoke God's word, then, oh, um, Jesus is going to say, why didn't you repent like he said? Why, why did you resist his saying? Well, they would, what, incriminate themselves, yeah, for not listening, for not accepting John and not accepting what John said. Who did he point to? Jesus. And that would bring shame on them. Well, what's the other option? Well, they discuss. If we say the authority is from man, in other words, John's not from God. God, John did not have a divine word from God. Then they thought, oh no, the peoples, they're going to stone us. The crowd's going to, because they believe John's a prophet, that he was sent from God. Which would be political suicide for them. Right? These high makamakas, they, they wanted the limelight, they wanted the power, they wanted the position, and this would bring shame on them. So here they're stuck. What what are they gonna say? Either way, either way they go, it's gonna be bad for them. Well look at verse seven. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. So they turn to Jesus and they say, well, we don't know. We don't have an answer. Now, not coming to any conclusion really only exposed their unbelief here, right? Exposed their wickedness really in trying to trap Jesus. It, it just exposed that did they really have a concern for God's authority of, of, of what God is saying? Then shouldn't they have an answer to this? So get this. The official word from the official delegation was, we don't know. <laughs> They're totally made to look like fools. Someone once said, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and to remove all doubt. <laughs> but you know what? These guys look foolish either way. Yeah. These guys look foolish. Then verse 8, And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So Jesus answered their question by saying, Okay, then you know what? Neither will I tell you what authority I do these things. I mean, it's pretty obvious here when they didn't answer. It's pretty obvious that the same authority that John came with, that the people believed, that's how Jesus is here. It's the same authority that commissioned Jesus, God himself, and we know Jesus is God. So Jesus exposed the hypocritical inconsistencies and at the same time, this is the beauty of this, confirmed who he is, the Messiah. If you think about it, you can see how they were deceitful in asking the question, trying to trap Jesus, and dishonest in avoiding the answering of Jesus' question, hiding their sin. So, you understand, it was not about a real concern about submitting to God's authority here, about what God wanted. No, it was about them. 
The official answer, the officials answer Jesus. And you know what we see? And this is our last point. Their answer is very revealing. It's all about politics and pride and not about truth and God. You see that? Their answer, which is not answer, we don't know. It's all about politics and pride. And it's not about truth and God. It was wholly exposed their political move and position against Jesus. That's what it was about, sadly, here. You know, I recently came across this report that said during the 2020 election, which was hotly contested, and, and, and also I think it's still going on today, Facebook's most popular pages for Christian content were being sent by Eastern European troll farms. Have you ever heard that term, troll farms? Isn't that crazy to think? Troll Farm is groups that work in coordinated fashion to post provocative content, propaganda, and build a massive following to influence thinking. That's all it was. Isn't that? But they went after Christians, you guys. Isn't that crazy? Research showed that they collectively reached nearly half of all the Americans um, through Facebook's al- algorithms, just how the it wasn't so much Facebook's fault, it's just how Christians were looking for things, and the, these troll farms knew what the Christians were after. These titles and phrases, and and they would grab them, bait Christians in that way. And I just heard that in 2019, almost all of Facebook's top Christian accounts were run by these foreign troll farms. Isn't that crazy? Organizations that seem real. It was all deception. It was all so that they can uh, put in their uh, bias and political uh, uh, opinions and political bias here. They may say they are for God, but they are really about politics, and they deceive people. And I would say pridefully. Well, this is these official representatives This is these Jewish religious leaders. In this answer, which wasn't an answer that much, it's all about politics and pride and not really about truth and God. They may say they are for God, but they are really about their own position, their own politics. They don't want like Jesus. They're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to get him out of the way. And they pridefully think they could deceive the people. So I guess we come back to that. Are we truly concerned with what God is concerned about? Is is that what's important to us? Or do we use the, the Christianese or do we use even the Bible for our own political gains or even our own uh, uh, personal gains? Is Jesus just a way to get things, accomplish things, gain more? You know, sometimes people can be like that. And even Christians, we need to search our hearts in this. Is Jesus just a way to get our own agenda done? Yeah? To reach our own goals? Some people get into ministry because they want to be on stage. Yeah? And they figure, oh, hey, here's an avenue I could do this in church. People do that. Or are we really 
passionate about Jesus, his truth, about wanting what he wants, wanting his will, submitting our heart and life to his authority. Are, are, Are we really about that? We need to search our hearts and have God purify our motives here. I want everything I do to be about Jesus, to seek for him to be glorified. You know, as we talk about these things and as we close up here, don't don't be offended if God has touched something deep in your heart here. A G.B. Duncan once wrote, There's nothing that human pride resents so much, so much as to be rebuked. Huh? If we get angry, well, how dare you say it? Well, maybe it's touching a chord. Maybe there's something there that shouldn't be there, and you're just trying to protect that. Maybe it's your pride protecting yourself from shame. I believe Jesus was actually really trying to reach these religious leaders, to expose them, to get them to see their own pride, to bring them to the truth of, of what authority are we talking about here. Are we really talking about God's or yours? And if it's God's, are you really submitting yourself to God's authority? But with that pride, it can be hard to see. And we have to to be mindful of that. We can be so full of pride that we are blind to our own pride and our own faults. But maybe there's a crack here and some light is shining through. We need to respond rightly. And not about this. I'll close with this. I read not about the, not like this guy. I read about a guy named Uncle Zeke who lived in Texas and could never admit he was wrong no matter what. One day he happened to shuffle into a blacksmith shop. And what he didn't know was just before he got there, the blacksmith had thrown aside this uncooperative horseshoe he had been working with till it, he just threw it aside till it turned black. It wasn't glowing anymore, but it was still super hot. Uncle Zeke walked in, uh, picked, picked up the horseshoe, dropped it re- really fast, and the old blacksmith looked over his glasses and said, kind of hot, ain't it, Zeke? Well, stubborn old Uncle Zeke said, nope, just doesn't take long to look at a horseshoe. (laughs) Pride makes you stubborn. Pride makes you try to cover up the shame. Pride makes you think you're never wrong. And that's what's going on with these guys. Because when someone comes in who makes you feel shame, you don't want to submit to them. And that's pride. That's why these guys, and we have to watch out, that we don't have a problem with authority, especially God's. And if it's God's, that's a real problem with authority. Let's pray. Father, we bear our hearts before you in humbleness, God. We want to lay down our pride and, and truly humble ourselves before you, God, and not lift ourselves up. God, we don't want to have a problem with authority, especially your authority, God. And so, Lord, take the things, God, that 
we don't we should not be holding on to uh, take the things that we haven't surrendered God Lord maybe it's a, a situation maybe it's something we want in life maybe it's an expectation God maybe it's something that that is hard for us that Lord we we want to have the authority we want to have the control yet it's not going that way God we want to surrender to you because we really want the truth and we want you we don't want to use you to get our own things but we want God to be honest motivated with a pure heart God and so Lord we bear our heart before you and I pray that you forgive us now that you would cleanse us Lord of our sins and take those things out that shouldn't be there Lord that you would purify us right now God Lord I pray for anyone here in this room and anyone online God that you would strengthen and help them that you would correct and convict them God, that you would take all of us, Lord, and bring to light how our pride has been making us fall, Lord. How our pride has been blinding us. And I pray, God, for for anyone here or online that maybe is one thing here and another thing at home. God, we don't we want to be sincere and we don't want to just throw authority around or want our own authority but we want to submit to you so God we humble ourselves before you God I pray for anyone here who may be struggling in these things pray for anyone that may be struggling in life maybe there's trauma that's being triggered right now and and it's just so hard it's hard to believe in you it's hard to submit to your will God it's hard to say well I, I give you my life be the authority over me and it's hard God I pray for your strength and courage upon this person Lord and I pray that you would help them to trust you right now Lord we just want you and we want to passionately follow you and let that be the one thing we do not fight against you but to move along with what you want for you are the authority you are the king of kings you are the lord of lords God, you are a sovereign God. So we lay ourselves down, we lay our pride down. We just want you and your presence right now. So I pray for your Holy Spirit upon us, touch us, fill us. In Jesus' name, amen.